0: good to see you today and to be with you and worship with you. And I'm so thankful uh, for our team. They did such an amazing job kind of setting us up for our passage today. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bible with you, to turn uh, to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be in verse 14 uh, and we are going to be rounding out, finishing up This letter that we've been in over the last several months and really from January we've been in the letters of Peter. I took a little break in the summer uh, but for the most part that's where we've been and today kind of all that comes to a conclusion. And my prayer is that as we dive into this passage together that these truths, these realities, these ideas, implications that we see. Not just today but that we've been walking through over this past year would become a reality in your life and my life. And so it's just a joy to get to pursue with you this morning. And as we're finishing up 2 Peter, I just want to remind you next week is Neighbors and Nations. And we are so excited over the next two weeks as a church to center our messages and kind of our, our groups and so much of what happens in our church body to talk about the Great Commission talk about what it means to be a church that helps plant churches for the sake of the gospel. And so it's going to be a really special couple of weeks. just want to encourage you to make it a priority to be here and to come asking the question, Lord, what would you have me do? How can I leverage my life more intentionally for the Great Commission? How can I pray more intentionally? How can I give more sacrificially? How can I even go to make you known? And I'm excited so much for us to be able to dive into that together. And the last thing I just say before we jump into the text, it's good to see you this morning. You're looking fresh. Like you got some extra sleep or something, you know. It's, it's good to see you. There's no better feeling than when you think you're behind and you look at the clock and realize you're actually ahead of the game in the morning. And today was one of those days. So it is an honor and joy to get to worship with you. Second Peter chapter 3, let's start in verse 14 together. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. I love being able to be in God's Word with you. And in these last few verses in Second Peter, we are reminded of final words. Even the songs that we sang this morning were a reminder to us, a calling to us to worship God because... The days that we are in right now will not be forever. Jesus is coming soon. Our race will come to an end. And so we abide and we depend and we rest on him and we look forward to that day. And in this passage, we see Peter's final words. And we know that final words are significant. Whether it's a movie or a story or maybe just your own life with a loved one. When things come down to the end, when something's changing, when this is the last opportunity that someone has to say something to someone they love, those, those words carry a weight. They're heavy, they're significant. And so these words by Peter to the churches he's writing, they, they are significant. This is his last letter that we have recorded. He is an old man. Earlier in chapter 1, Peter said that his end was coming soon. He knew that death was quickly coming for him. And so this letter carries extreme significance because this, this is the thing that he wants the church to know before he goes to be with Jesus. And as we come to the end of the letter, Peter's now summarizing kind of these themes, these charges that he has been writing about and writing to the church, writing to believers, writing to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's bringing all those together saying, this is how you should live. This is what I want you to know. This matters for the Christian life. And I think if you were to try to summarize these final few verses within this letter into a couple words, it would be this, pursue faithfulness. Pursue faithfulness. This is a call to God's people, to us today and to the church then to pursue faithfulness. And that is our big truth this morning. Jesus' followers are called to pursue faithfulness. Faithfulness, we see in verse 15 that we, or in verse 14, we are called to be diligent. In verse 17, we are called to take care, to guard, to be on the alert. False teaching and false teachers are here. We've talked a lot about that. And then in verse 18, he, he calls them to grow. Grow in the grace of Christ Jesus. Grow in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And what does it mean to be diligent, to take care, to grow? These are calls to faithfulness. And so as we conclude this letter this morning, what I want us to think about is that you and I individually and collectively, corporately, as God's people at Tri-Cities Baptist Church, we are called to pursue faithfulness. And so, as we think about that, I think that raises a couple questions. One is, how do we pursue faithfulness? What does that look like practically? And thankfully, he gives us some very clear direction for what faithfulness should look like in your life, in my life, in the life of this church. But not only does he talk about the the how we pursue faithfulness, but he talks about why. And I think that's important for us because I think for a lot of us in the room, if we're going to be really honest, when we think about pursuing faithfulness, we struggle with that. And we might struggle for different reasons. I think there's there's several different reasons. Let me just give you three reasons why I think we we struggle to pursue faithfulness as individuals and corporately as a people. I think one is comfort. We kinda have a comfortable life and a comfortable Christianity and we know if we lean in, if we pursue, if we take these things seriously we're going to get pushed outside our comfort zone. It's going to cost us something. It's going to stretch us. And I think there's fear sometimes for us in that. We, we want to follow Jesus, but we kind of want to follow Jesus in a way that's comfortable. Peter's calling us to something more. I think another reason why we struggle to pursue faithfulness is just discouragement. Discouragement. It feels like we can never get it right. It feels like we can never overcome. Like you try to be faithful and you fall again and again and again. Or maybe it just seems like it doesn't make any difference. God is sovereign, God's in control, He's over all things. What difference does it make if I pursue faithfulness or if I don't? And so for some of you this morning, you might be coming to this passage and to this church, this body just saying, I'm just discouraged. I struggle to try to press forward because I'm just discouraged. Or I think another reason why many of us struggle to pursue faithfulness is burnout. I don't really like the word burnout, but it's used a lot today. But I I think we kind of all understand what we're saying that. We just feel overwhelmed. I want to pursue faithfulness. I want to be obedient to Jesus. But I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. I'm beat up. I'm weary. I'm worn out. Life has been hard. And I just don't know if I have what it takes to pursue forward. One of the beautiful things about these verses that we read, this passage, is that Peter not only speaks to the how, and we're going to get there, the practical part, but he speaks to the why. He gets to the root of why we press forward in pursuing faithfulness. He gives us clarity for not only what that should look like, but why we keep pressing forward. Why we keep running the race. Why we pursue faithfulness until Jesus comes again. So a key question this morning is this. Why pursue faithfulness? And I just want to give you three big ideas from this text on the why. And then we're going to look at three big ideas on the how. And these will be pretty quick. So the first one is this. Jesus' followers pursue faithfulness because they are dearly loved by God. Jesus' followers pursue faithfulness because they are dearly loved by God. This is good news this morning. If you are in Christ, if you are a child of God, you are loved by God. Amen? Like That is good news this morning. We need to be reminded of that. If you have your Bible open. Look at verse 14. Therefore, which is pointing back to everything that's been written, look at the very next word. Beloved, Dearly loved ones. Anytime that you see a word repeated consistently within a passage of scripture, it shows its significance. The word beloved shows up five times in this chapter. Three times within the section that we just read. Four of those are Peter speaking to the church. Peter speaking to God's people, calling them beloved. The other instance is he's talking about the apostle Paul. He calls Paul a beloved brother. And the same word he uses to describe his Affection for his brother Paul, he uses to describe for God's people. I just want to remind us this morning that the reason why we pursue faithfulness is not so that we can earn God's love, not so that we can earn God's affection, not because we can get God to like us more. We pursue faithfulness because we have been loved by God, because we are loved by God because God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this morning I want to remind you, church, that one of the reasons why we pursue faithfulness is not to get something from God, but because God has first loved us. Remember the love of Christ for you. Maybe for some of you you're here this morning and you've never experienced the love of God. And friend, I just want to encourage you this morning, you can. Turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus as your Savior. Know the love of Christ. Another reason why we pursue faithfulness, second big idea is this. Jesus' followers pursue faithfulness because a new creation is coming. A new creation is coming. We've been talking about this the last few weeks. Pastor Mike has done such a faithful job of walking us through the day of the Lord is coming. It's near for us that our eyes are set forward on this future grace that's coming in Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is coming soon. Look again at verse 14. He says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting, there's the key word, for these. Well, what are these? These point back to the section that we've just been in, the previous few verses, In verse 13, but according to his promises, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is the these that Peter is referring to. He's saying we pursue faithfulness, we live in diligence, we take care, we live on the alert, we grow. Why? Because a new heavens, new earth is coming. That we get to see Jesus face to face. That's the reality and the hope of Christians, of Jesus followers We have a confidence in what is coming, a new heavens and a new earth. And as we've talked about the last few weeks, and if you've not been here, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those messages or grab those notes. There is a hope and a joy of what is coming in Christ in the new creation. This reality that we get to be with him fully. No sin, no death, no pain. And this confidence should shape our actions today. And he uses the word waiting for these things. And that word waiting was used in the other verses before, connecting to verse 12. We talked about waiting and hastening. And the word waiting here in the original translation, it means anticipation, expectation. What does that mean practically? It means it's not just a reality we know that's out there and one day it'll show up. It's kind of like waiting for Christmas Day. There's an anticipation. You're counting down the days, you're counting down the minutes when you get to go under the tree and open those presents. That's the kind of anticipation and expectation that God's people are to have about Jesus' return. That we are looking forward to that as a motivating factor for us that we pursue together. That God's patience for us should reflect our patience in His coming again. And so we pursue faithfulness. Why? Because of God's love for us. Because a new heavens, a new earth is coming. Let me give you a third reason that we see in this text. And I, I'd love this. Just my own devotion time this week. This is kind of jumping off the page to me, and I was just rejoicing in this reality. Third big idea: Jesus followers pursue faithfulness because God's saving patience is at work among us. God's Saving patience is at work among us. Look at verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. I don't want to blow past these words. This is huge. And again, this this idea is connecting to what happened a few verses before. In verse 9, it talks about the Lord not being slow... Is some count slowness. Jesus is coming again. His perfect plan is working in the exact way it's supposed to. It says he's not slow, but he is patient toward you. And again, we've talked about that one of the reasons he's patient toward us is so that the gospel can go out, so more people can be saved. So God's delay is not because he's slow or because he's tired, but because he wants more people to know him. And even over the next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. We've been put on this planet as God's people to take the good news of the gospel out. But not only, not only is God's patience salvation for those who are yet to be saved. This is important. God's patience is salvation for the saved. It is salvation for you, for me. What does that mean? Salvation in Scripture, and especially in Peter's writings, is not just past experience behind us, but it's present. It is future. Let me say it a different way God's patience is working salvation in our lives today, in that every day that God delays in coming is another day you get to become more like Jesus. That's good news. Part of God's delay is not just so that through you the gospel can go out. That is true and that is evident here. But every day that God delays is another day that you can become more like Jesus. That the Holy Spirit's work can be in you to conform you, to make you more like Christ. Last year I was reading this book by John Owen. He was a Puritan pastor and... Uh, there was a statement that just jumped off the page. It was talking about the grace of Jesus Christ, and he made the statement that God's grace is infallibly effectual, which means this, God's work will be completed in his people. He's going to do the work in you that he has set out to do. Amen? Let me say it another way. God is more committed to make you like Jesus than you are committed to being like Jesus. That is good news this morning. And so knowing that, knowing that God is at work to make me more like Jesus, to know that God is at work to put sin to death unto me and to give me the strength to press forward, that is the means for my running after faithfulness. And you're running after faithfulness. We can pursue faithfulness. We can step outside our comfort. We can move past discouragement. We can step in even when we're weary and overwhelmed and pursue. Why? Because we are loved by God. Because there's a new creation that's coming for us. And because God's work of patience is working in us. We are not just saved. We are being saved. So brothers, sisters, have you experienced the love of God? Have you experienced the love of God? Is your life marked by a growing anticipation and expectation of seeing Jesus face to face? I think for some, many of us, me included, we tend to kind of live with blinders on, not thinking about the coming of Jesus. One of the prayers that I would encourage you to pray this morning is, Holy Spirit, create in my heart a longing to see Jesus face to face. Reshape the way I live my life. Help me to live today in light of the day that you come again. Third question, are you growing in the security and confidence of God's patience toward you? One of the ways we grow in peace in a world filled with chaos and lives that are constantly all over the place and our emotions are all over the place, one way we grow in peace is to remember God's steadfast work of patience working in us today. And a great prayer to pray, brother, or sister, is, Lord, help me see your patience toward me. Help me trust your work in me. Help me respond in obedience, in repentance, in faith, in light of your work toward me. These realities are a source of joy, a source of hope, but also a source of gospel fuel and motivation for our pursuit of faithfulness. And so peter at the end of this letter at the end of his life he is reminding the church and he is reminding us of why we get to pursue faithfulness and why we pursue god but not only does he speak to the why he also speaks to the how here's the second question that i want to answer this morning how do we pursue faithfulness What does faithfulness look like practically? What does it look like in our everyday life? What should shape and form your life and my life? That Peter is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit in this text this morning. Three big ideas. First one is this. Faithfulness is formed through a diligent pursuit of holiness and godliness. If you want to grow in faithfulness, if you want to pursue God faithfully, the way we do that is through diligence And diligent specifically toward holiness and godliness. Jesus' followers are called to be diligent. This is not a suggestion. This is not a recommendation. It is a command given to us. And what I want you to see this morning is this charge to be diligent is not isolated to just this verse. This is one of the main themes within 2 Peter. Let me give you a couple examples. 2 Peter 1, 5-7. For this very reason... Make every effort, and those words make every effort is the exact same word in the Greek as the word diligent here at the end. He's using the exact same word. So we saw it at the beginning, we see it here now. Make every effort, be diligent to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. What does diligence look like? It looks like this. Pursue growth again and again and again. In verse 10 of chapter 1, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent, same word, to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. So we're to be diligent in our pursuit of Jesus, our pursuit of godliness, but we're also called to be diligent in examining our lives to see if they reflect genuine faith. That's the holiness part. Does your life match the life that God describes a Christian? We are called to be diligent to make our calling election sure. And then Peter gives this example from his life in chapter 1 verse 15. And I will make every effort, same word, diligent. I will be diligent so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. So in this short three-chapter letter, we see this word diligent pop up at least four times. This is one of the themes. You and I as Christians are called to be diligent. What are we called to be diligent in? He says here in verse 14, if you have your Bible open, we are called to be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. Without spot or blemish. This is a continuation of verse 11, which says we are to live lives of Holiness and godliness, spot or blemish. Pursue holiness, living purely without sin before the Lord, putting sin to death, repentance, trusting in God. Godliness, living in a way that reflects our faith in Jesus Christ. This is also a contrast to chapter 2, verse 13. In chapter 2, verse 13, Peter is speaking about false teachers and he calls them blots and blemishes. So he's saying, Be without spot and blemish, the opposite of false teachers who are blots and blemishes. Your life and my life is not called to be perfect. In this life we will not be perfect. Amen? But we are called to pursue holiness. We are called to pursue godliness. Diligence is the defining mark of saving faith. Diligence is not perfection, but active growth and holiness and godliness. And the way this happens, again, it's through repentance. Repentance means to turn away from and turn toward. I turn away from sin. I turn toward Jesus. It's obedience. It's taking the clear commands of Scripture and saying, I'm going to run after those by the help of the Holy Spirit, it is faith. Lord, I'm trusting you for the promises that you've given in your word. So we are called to be diligent, to be found without spot or blemish, but we're also called to be diligent to be found at peace. Again, look at verse 14. Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Why should Jesus' followers be marked by peace? Because our security is in Christ. If Jesus is your Savior, if Jesus is your Lord, if Jesus is your Rescuer, and you are resting in that reality, guess what it does inside your heart and mind? It grows peace. Because our hope is not in our circumstances. That would be bad news for us, right? But for a Jesus follower, our hope is anchored in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so as we are diligent to pursue godliness and holiness, guess what happens inside of us? Peace grows. And so maybe this morning, there's not a lot of peace. Maybe you're wrestling with that. Maybe you struggle to have peace within. Maybe it's because you're looking to someone or something other than Jesus as your hope. Are you growing in peace? Second question this morning, are you pursuing holiness and godliness with diligence? We talked about this last week, so I won't spend any more time here, but is holiness and godliness mark your life, as diligence of pursuit. I think there's also a warning in this for us. And as a church family, I just, as one of your pastors, I just want to say this. We need to be really careful not to undercut the pursuit of diligence in other people's lives. In our culture, our day and age, it's really to look, easy to look at someone else's pursuit of God and saying, oh, that's, that's just them, or you don't have to. And what we try to do is we try to make ourselves feel better, and so we, we pull things down instead of push one another we want to be careful not to do that. Sanctification is a pursuit. So one practical way faithfulness is formed through us is diligence, pursuit of holiness and godliness. Second big idea here. Faithfulness is also formed by guarding our minds and our hearts against false teaching. This is another key theme that we've been walking through throughout the book. We are called to pursue diligence But we are also called to take care, be on guard, be alert. False teaching and false teachers are all around us and we've talked again and again about how that teaching is not somewhere out there, it's in here, in the church. It's your friend, it's your family member who subtly and probably even unintentionally at times begins to shift the truth of God's Word toward themselves instead of toward Jesus. We are called to be warned. We've seen that. I'll give you a couple examples. One, Second Peter 2, 1. But false prophets also roams among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Verse 17, these are waterless springs, mist driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. We are warned that false teaching is a reality. See, as we go through this passage, Peter speaks about the Apostle Paul, And he's saying that the Apostle Paul's writings support his writings, and his writings support the Apostle Paul's writing, verse 16 or 15, as "Count patience of our Lord's salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also writes to you according to the wisdom given him." So all the wisdom that Paul has was given to him by the Holy Spirit. Just a side note, That's a great prayer to pray. God, would you please give me wisdom to know your word? Wisdom to walk in obedience. Wisdom to follow you. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. Can we just pause for a second? Can anybody say kind of a breath of fresh air? That's relief, right? Peter, the Apostle Peter says that some of the Apostle Paul's writings are hard to understand. Any amens there? Like that's, okay, I'm not the only one who struggles understanding some of these things. Now it's important to note, he doesn't say all of Paul's writings, says some. But the reason why he speaks to that, he tells us in just a second, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. So one of the warnings that Peter's giving you and me and giving the church is that people are going to take some of these passages that are hard to understand, and they are going to bend them, twist them, distort them, be warned, be ready. This is happening, this will happen. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, this is not a surprise, you know it's coming, take care that you are not carried away with the air of lawless people and lose your own stability. So we are called to be diligent, but we are also called to take care, be alert, be on guard. Brothers and sisters, one of the most dangerous things to your faith and my faith is the false teaching around us and among us. False teaching, it, appear, it appeals to our flesh. It sounds good. It feels good. It promises freedom. It looks like life. People around you are going to praise you if you fall into it. Don't fall into the trap. Don't give in to that. Know the truth. Walk in the truth. Even here we see false teachers were twisting Paul's writings. They were taking his writings about freedom in Christ and saying, hey, look what Paul said. You have freedom in Christ. Live however you want. Do whatever you want. Doesn't matter. You're free in Christ. You're good with God. Live however you want. Peter's saying, No, that's not what Paul's saying. You're twisting that. Beware of false teaching for you and for me. Why? The end result. You will lose your own stability. Church, one of the ways we pursue faithfulness is we are on guard. Beware of false teaching that is prone to come to you, prone to come to me. As we've been going through this letter as a church family, and I've just personally been in it, one of the prayers I've been praying, I want to encourage you to pray, is, Lord, would you help me see what are the areas of my life where I want something more than I want you? What are the lies I want to believe? Friend, there are lies you want to believe. There lies that I want to believe, that appeal to my flesh, that appeal to how I feel. God, would you guard us against that? Well, how do we discern false teaching and false teachers? This leads to the last big idea. Faithfulness is formed by growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So three imperatives. The first one, be diligent. Second one, take care. The third one we see in verse 18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do we discern truth from the lie? It's by knowing the truth. How do we walk in the truth instead of the lie? It's by walking in grace, remembering and knowing the grace of God that's been shown toward us. And again, this is a theme found throughout the letter. This is the way Peter began the letter. Let me call us back, 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 3. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. His prayer for God's people is that they would grow in grace, in the peace that comes from grace. But not only grace, in the knowledge of our Lord, of God, our Lord and Savior, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life, and godliness through the knowledge, there it is again, of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Then in verses five through six, he says, for this very reason, make every effort, be diligent to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. How do we grow in diligence? How do we grow in being on alert and guarded against false teachers? We center on the grace of Christ toward us. See, again, like salvation, Christ's gracious work in our lives is not just a past experience. This is important. Friends, Jesus' grace towards you is a present reality that we get to live in. Every single moment of every single day, there's grace in our life. And every single moment of every single day, Christ's work of salvation is fueling and overflowing your life with grace. The grace of Christ, one author described it, it's kind of like light is to the sun. It's inexhaustible. Or taking a cup of water out of the ocean. It's inexhaustible. The grace of Christ toward his people is inexhaustible. You can't diminish it. So we want to grow in it. I think about 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 1, Peter speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy says, Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, my child. You feeling weary? You feeling overwhelmed? Are you hurting this morning? Are you mourning loss? There is grace for you in Jesus Christ right now. Remember that. Lean into that. Meditate on the unmerited gift of God's kindness to save us from our sin, to make us righteous in His sight, to adopt us into His family. Continue to grow in your understanding of it and reliance on it. Jesus' grace is meant for the believer to be a daily source of strength. And even as I was reading through this passage this week, I was just reminded how little... I go to that source of strength. I forget about it. I lose sight of it. Brothers and sisters, we are called to grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior. But not only are we called to grow in grace, but second, he says we are called to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. To grow in the knowledge. One aspect of knowledge is knowing God personally, intimately, fellowship, communion with God. This has been something that's been revolutionary for my own devotion and quiet time. It's I'm not reading God's Word just to check off a box or do something that I have to do because I'm supposed to. Every time I get to come to the Word, I am pursuing God. Not doing something for Him, I am pursuing Him. The goal is not just to know about God, the goal is to know God. So it's a knowledge, a pursuit of Him. But secondly, it's the knowledge of His Word. The way we know how to live a life of diligence, the way we know how to take care and know the truth is by being a people who love the Word of God. Do you love God's Word? Do you read it? Do you study it? Do you meditate on it? Do you pray it? Do you memorize it? Do you let it reshape your thoughts, reshape your heart, reshape your mind? This is how we grow. We grow through the Spirit's work of applying Scripture to our lives. Are we growing in grace? Are we growing in knowledge? Friends, and I'll just a plug, if you're not in a Go group that is actively opening the Word of God together, I would encourage you to get in community where you can study God's Word with God's people. It'll change your life. The last thing, I think it's so important to see this, and if you have your text open with you, look at verse 18. Grow in grace and knowledge of who? Our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything centers on Him. He breaks into praise, doxology, to Him be glory both now and until that day, the day of eternity amen. Our lives are centered on that pursuit of Jesus. So we've been on this journey through Peter the last eight months as a church. We've wrestled through these themes. So here's what I want to do to kind of close this time walking through this letter is I want to invite you as the church body to join me in prayer. And I want to invite you to pray these three things with me. That we would grow in diligence. Pursuit of godliness, pursuit of holiness. The scriptures will be on the screen, so if you're not sure what to pray, just pray these verses. That we would take care, that we would guard ourselves against false teaching, that we'd be a people who can discern truth from the lie, who run after truth. And third, that we would grow that we would grow, that we would be a church marked by brothers and sisters who long to grow up, to become more like Christ, who would be discontent with the status quo, who would be discontent with where we are and long to strive to excel more. And so that's what I want us to do. I want us to pray these things over one another, I want to invite us to pray these things over our families, the families that are in this church, the next generation, moms and dads, their children, these things to be true over them. I'd like to invite you to pray these things for one another, that we'd be the kind of church who are marked by these things. And then lastly, I want to invite us to pray these things over God's church. Churches outside of Tri-Cities, around the world, this would be true of God's people. And here's the way I want to invite you to pray with me in this. I'm going to just invite you just to come down front and join me. I know typically we stay in our seats, and if you don't feel comfortable moving, you don't have to. You can pray where you are. But for those of you who are willing and able, I'm going to come down to the front. I would invite you to come with me. And just as we finish this book, ask God's people to pray together and ask these things to be true for us. So I'll guide us through. If you'd like to join me down front, join me down front. If you want to make your chair an altar, you can make an altar. We're going to spend the next few minutes in prayer together. As those continue to move, we'll continue to pray at your seat, here, down front. First thing I want to invite you to praise is I just want you to, before the Lord, ask that God would do these things in you. that God would grow in your heart a burden in pursuit of diligence and holiness and godliness. Maybe there's some specific areas in your own life where you're struggling to pursue godliness and holiness, and you just want to acknowledge those, repent of those for the Lord, that God would give you a deeper love for the truth, would guard your heart against lies, and ask that the Lord would grow you. Grow your understanding of grace. Grow your knowledge in Jesus. Would you just ask God to do that in you? If there's any area of just... Sin or just struggle for you in these things, to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to help you. He knows you, He loves you, He wants to make you like Christ. Secondly, I just want to ask you to pray these things over our families, over marriages. We know in a room this size, there are marriages that are struggling that are hurting. We know that there are parents struggling to know how to lead their sons and daughters in the truth. We know that there are children who are struggling to obey and follow their parents' leadership. We know there are husbands who are struggling to know how to lead their their families well. So would you pray for our families that they would grow in diligence they would be on guard against the lies of the enemy and of our culture. Would you pray for gospel growth, for marriages, for parents, for teenagers and kids in our church? For some of you, you might even be here saying, that's my marriage, that's my parenting, that's, that's me. And in this moment, just ask, God, please help me. Please forgive me. Oh, God, we need your grace over our families, over our marriages. We recognize that one of the main ways the enemy attacks us is he attacks us at home. He attacks us. Our temptations and our struggles are often most prevalent within our marriages than our parenting. It's so easy to be distracted and worn out by the things of life. Help us to be families who are centered on the gospel. Next, i just like to ask you to pray these realities over our church family, over your brothers and sisters, over your fellowship group, over your study group, over your Serve Go group that we together, the people that you know, that you live life with in the faith, would grow in diligence. In the pursuit of holiness and godliness, ask the Holy Spirit to help you know how to love and encourage and spur on the brothers and sisters God has placed in your life. There would be iron sharpening iron. Would you pray that we'd be a church marched by knowing the truth and discerning truth from lie? we would not give in to false teaching, that we would not lose our stability being anchored to the word. Would you pray that for our leaders, for our elders, for our pastors, those who rightly called to rightly divide the word of truth. Pray that over us. And lastly, pray that we would be a church who grows. We would grow in our understanding and rejoicing in the grace of Jesus and the knowledge of the truth. Pray those things for your brothers and sisters, for this family. Lastly, I just want to invite you to pray these things over the church. We don't exist in isolation. There are people who love and follow Jesus all across this city, all across this state, all across this country, all around the globe, would you ask that God would grow His church, His people in diligence and that it would be a testimony to a watching world? Would you ask that He would grow us in our alertness and guarding against false teaching to be people who speak and know the truth and ask that He would help us to grow and be found faithful until he comes again. Pray for the churches, your brothers and sisters, you, many you haven't even met yet. Lord, we come to you this morning, humbling ourselves before you, saying, we need you. We cannot pursue faithfulness apart from you. So desperately as your people, we come saying, please help us. Please help us. At the same time, we come confidently because you sent your son to save us, that he died on the cross, he rose from the grave, defeating death. We come knowing that you will help us. Your work within us and around us. And every day that you delay in your coming is patience toward us. And we live in anticipation and expectation of when that day will come and we will get to see you face to face. Help us be found faithful on that day. Help us to be a church who reflects you. Help us to be a church who pictures the gospel well. Please be with our marriages. Please be with our groups. Please be with one another as we pursue you. And it's in the Jesus name, the one who deserves all glory and honor and praise. Amen.